Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to fitness pros who are in the trenches doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, General Manager of Merit Club, Eldersburg, Maryland, Mark Calderon. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Dom. Thanks very much for uh, having me on the podcast today. Oh, man. It's my pleasure. I can't wait to make this episode. We're going to rock and roll. Let's hop right into it. Tell us about your club. All right. So we're, uh, we're again, we're in Eldersburg, Maryland. We're about 30 minutes outside of Baltimore. Um, so, so out in the suburbs quite a bit. Um, it's a big family club, so it's 72,000 square feet, and it's got something for everyone. Uh, we have four pools, including um, a Lazy River outdoor pool, uh, and of course a lap pool. Um, we have personal training, uh, before and after care, in addition to our regular kids zone, uh, summer camps, dance, karate, so kind of name it, we, we have it under one roof. Yeah, it, it sure sounds like it. That's there's a lot going on there. So I want to um, I want to back things up a little bit just to give the audience a little background. I know you've been with this club for for a short while now, but give us a quick background on your your history in the fitness industry, uh, what your experiences and, and what led you to come to Merit. I. Um... <clears throat> Working out uh, was one of the few constants in my life in my early 30s. I had been kind of jumping around. I, I hadn't quite figured it out yet, and uh, but I but I had really uh, fallen in love with um, with working out and fitness. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give this business a try. And I relocated from Atlanta up to Baltimore, which is where I grew up anyway. And I started selling gym memberships in 2005 at a Gold's Gym and. Um, you know, I think you find out really quickly whether or not you like the business and it likes you. And we liked each other and I moved up quickly. And, you know, within 13 months, I was the general manager of that club, which at the time was the largest Gold's gym on the East Coast. Um, and I had a really good run of a, uh, 11 years there and, and kind of felt like I had maxed out. It was a franchise group and there was really nowhere else for me to go. So, Hopped out of the business for a few years and regretted it and, and missed it. And when this opportunity came knocking, I, I jumped right on it uh, to join Merritt's team. Got it. So the, um, the club itself is one of the biggest in a chain of nine clubs. And obviously, based on your experience, your resume, they thought that you were going to bring some things to the table to help them keep up with the success that they have and, and bring the club to whatever the next level is. So what were the key areas that you thought um, you could bring the most to the table with this specific club? And, and what things did you think that you were really going to be able to do to move the needle there the most coming in? I find that a lot of times it, it goes, you know, when you think of youth sports, it's pitching and catching. So, and I think a lot of people may forget that it's about uh, being the mayor of your club. It's, it's about having that open door policy and having open lines of communication with not only your team, but the membership base, um, because they love seeing people out in front. And, and I, I um, 
found that I was good at doing that at, at Gold's Gym. And, and the other thing is, I also believe in if you operate your business the right way, the sales will come. Uh, the, the, the industry has a reputation or has had one for being you know, aggressive in terms of sales uh, to the point of potentially being shady. And we always found success doing it the right way um, you know, and, and having thoughtful, open-ended conversations to learn about what the needs are of the person sitting opposite you. Um, so then we're not just ramming a membership down their throat, but um, we're trying to help them better themselves. Got it. Got it. Um, I just, I can hear in the tone, the way that um, I'm just, there's, it's bubbling about how you uh, approach sales. And I want to, I definitely want to get into that, but I want to, I don't want to put the cart before the horse because you talked about, you know, the, the relationships and, and attracting people and things like that. So um, I know there's a lot of facets to the business. So can you give me a general overview of what you all do for marketing, advertising, how you get people interested besides there's always going to be word of mouth and referrals right and those are do a good job ask the right questions you get those um what else do you do to get people interested um and feed such a large large club uh, a big machine we're very fortunate to have a marketing department at our home office so we have people that take care of this for us i don't have to worry a whole lot about it but we do a primary, and it's funny, my, my earlier time in the, in the fitness business, uh, the direct mailer was, the, was king. Of course, yeah. Uh, and, and even as it was dying on a vine and maybe other, other businesses, it worked really well for fitness. Uh, don't really do that here. I, I do have an um, ongoing billboard about two miles from the club, and we, we just keep and maintain that and, and think that that's worth it. But uh, a lot of the, the meat, um, marketing is, is media, social media, digital media. So we do, we do a lot of that and it, and it incorporates really well with, with our CRM gym sales. Uh, mm -hmm. The way that all ties in together is quite nice. And then we do other things where we have nice budgets to go out in the community. We recently, the, the nearby city of Westminster, we, um, I, I, I was gifted a $750 budget to do a float and do their Thanksgiving parade. And we had a huge crew of our, our Zumba folks, both staff and members, um, all pitched in to build this parade float and they won best float. And, you know, it was a lot of good exposure for merit. So there's, there's some organic things like that as well that we do. Got it. Got it. So definitely one of the, you're living the best of both worlds in, because you're a large enough group, like you say, you have a marketing department. And they can take care of the overarching, but also giving you the ability to have some direct contact in the community and do some things that um, might not be direct response, might not get people just coming and waving their credit card at you, but make you feel good about being part of the community and ultimately build up that brand and the goodwill. Cool. Exactly. So let's, let's go to sales. And it's something where it sounded like you have a a formula, you have a passion for doing it a certain way. So what does that look like for you? Somebody comes in, um, you're a larger staff gym. So I'm sure there's a, a, a choreographed procedure for how someone would be introduced to merit. What does that look like? Yes, you know, it, it's the typical um, arrangement where they're gonna come in, see our welcome desk. 
uh, inquire about membership and we have our LCs, our lifestyle consultants. And in, in this club, they're positioned near the welcome desk. So they're able to jump in quickly and introduce themselves. And, you know, what, what I have found and what we find that works well is you, you do that initial introduction and then you set expectations for what's going to happen. Let's sit down at my desk and have a conversation for a few minutes, learn a little bit about you and what your fitness goals are. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about our club and then we'll take uh, 10 minutes or so and, and tour the club. And then we can sit back down and show you how easy it is to be a member. Got it. Got so it. I think that's important because sometimes, you know, I've seen it before where someone doesn't lay out those expectations and then you, you kind of stand up to take a tour and they're like, am I following you? I don't know what we're doing. So when you set that expectation right up front of how it's going to go, it, it tends to go more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I um, anecdotally just moved and had to find a new, new gym to join. I usually always end up being a member of more than one for, for various reasons, which I'm sure you could probably understand not everybody is a 72,000 square foot behemoth, but um, the procedure just, it shocked me. I, the, basically the guy um, talked me, tried to talk me out of the membership that I wanted. There's no tour until after you sign up. And it was basically, Hey, these are the ways that I like to work out. If you don't do them, you're, you're probably wrong. And it's like, Oh man, I am. I, I still joined uh, because I can just go there and, and be self-service. But then that's that's where it stopped. Got got the tour and was like, all right, see ya. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's it. And like he doesn't know my background, didn't ask anything about and anything other. I just came in. I was like, oh, I just moved here. I'm looking to join a gym. And I was like, it just it astounds me that there isn't any that there are still people who aren't communicating. Besides, like, just yeah, I'll take your credit card. I'll show you around, and then I'm gonna go back to my my iPhone. And I think that's how you create a membership base of sleeping giants and you end up on the hamster wheel of trying to outsell your cancellations. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was just, it was an eye-opening experience for sure, because it had been a, a while since I went through that process, um, having been a gym owner and then having, you know, memberships at, at low service facilities. It was just, it was surprising. So somebody comes through, they do that. They, they sign up to become a member. Um, do you offer personal training? Do you have any, um, do you have anything that elevates somebody or offers to elevate them from a self-service membership, or do you leave it all on the consumer at some point in their life cycle to reach out to you? How does, how does that process work? It's as if you've been into the club recently because we <laughs> just launched a program. Um, we kind of stepped our game up, our retention game up. Um, and, and we used to have a, a person, we used to have something we called results, but we now call it Elevate. And I have a team member uh, who is my membership engagement specialist. So one of the things the lifestyle consultant is tasked with once we sell them, uh, this isn't an optional, this is uh, our next step in the journey is to put you with Melissa, our membership engagement specialist, and she's gonna help integrate you into the club. And it's extremely important to us and it's, it's how we intend on really, um, the, our, our big focus next year is 2022 is retention. And, and this is how we're gonna do it. So what Melissa will do is sit down with those folks and 
we, we tend to think that they're going to go in a couple different funnels. And one of the funnels is, I know what I'm doing. I just kind of need to know everything, if you will. So then we can download the app for them. You know, the Merit Clubs app, which is, um, you know, you can put your barcode on there. You can register for summer camp on there, register for, of course, the, the classes. And so there's a lot of things you can do on the app. And it, um, and it really makes uh, your life a lot more easy than traditionally. Uh, additionally, she sets you up with Perkville, which is our rewards program. So every time you check in, you get Perkville points or, uh, you know, for referrals, we give Perkville points and you can redeem it on cooler drinks and things like that. So that would be something that's for really basic. Or she may meet with somebody that says, hey, I want to get little Johnny into swim lessons, uh, but I'm not sure how all that works. So she'll explain that and then set them up with a complimentary lesson uh, with the aquatics department or funnel them to personal training or funnel them to our group fitness director who will then um, sit down and meet with them and discuss all the classes. You know, we do a lot of Les Mills classes as well as uh, some, some other freestyle stuff and some small group training. So we really take that opportunity post-sale to figure out which direction they want to take and get them integrated into that direction. Got it. So there's an actual um, second level, second person. And I think that to some degree, it's, it's, it's necessary because of the volume of clients that you have, the size of the space, all the things that you offer. So um, I can see where that level of integration goes. So you said retention is a big, is a big uh, hot button, big, big thing that you're working on in 2022. One of the other things that a lot of larger clubs uh, tell us is, is an issue or something that they are working on, whether it's always or currently is once they get people into whatever that next step is, you know, where, where you, um, you know, you have somebody in place for it is getting people to actually take advantage of that next step. You know, for a lot of gyms that only offer personal training, they, they get one, two, 5% of people engaged in personal training and want more for you. You've got groups and personal training. Um, is there any metric there that you're working on as far as engagement in the additional programs? I'm sure you're working on all of it all the time, but anything that's really like the bane of your existence or a dragon to slay? No, not, not that I can think of, but to, you know, to add on to that, we, we, so we do a lot of complimentary programs as well. We're doing one right now that started after Thanksgiving called Fit and Festive. And I was surprised because things like this at a mid-price club didn't really work. But here people get excited about it. It's um, sign up for Fit and Festive, uh, do workout at least twice a week. Um, and, you know, and there's a log book that they sign into. And after uh, the, the eight weeks, they, they get a, a, a Merit branded hat. And... <laughs> I have like 150 people signed up to do this and they, they jump to that log book every day when they come in to sign in. And so the little tools like that, that don't cost us anything and they, they really do seem to help. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we basically, we know how you're attracting people. We know what the sales process looks like when they're in fulfillment has it's, it's a many headed beast for you. Um, so give us a little bit of a breakdown of how you, 
delegate how you run a club of your size, you know, 2000 plus members, 72,000 square feet. How have you figured out from top down how to manage that best? What does your organizational structure look like there in the club? Merit is, um, has a lot of layers of management. And so we do above me, there are, are regional managers and each regional manager, uh, there's a programs, fitness, kind of, you know, general operations uh, slash aquatics. And a regional is assigned to a club or a couple of clubs. And so they're kind of the liaison. And so I have my regional manager comes and meets with myself and the department heads every Thursday. And so that's a good way for us to communicate with each other, whether it's, you know, the, what's going on in each department, um, what are we doing in the future? Yesterday they met and did, um, I was actually at a GM meeting at our home office, but they met and rolled out what we're gonna do for our um, membership appreciation first quarter. So we're gonna do a couple things a month, uh, have a little budget for that uh, each quarter. And we're gonna, we're gonna you know, we um, figured out a quarter at a time what we're gonna be doing uh, in terms of member appreciation. And so we do it through that meeting and then it gets filtered out. We use Slack. Um, we found that to be the best. Uh, my wife is still uh, with um, with Gold's Gym and she, they use, uh, I forget what they use. They use something different to communicate, but, but we use Slack and have multiple Slack channels and find it to be rather effective because it, it, if you're not on top of it, it can get lost in the fray and especially with your welcome desk because they're the ones that are fielding all those questions, right? And so if we haven't um, disseminated the information correctly, it can be problematic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you run, you know, in your club, you as the GM, then you have department heads, and then you have, you know, directors of different things. Um, you know, one of the, the big problems that we, it's across all industries right now, but, you know, being fitness specific, there just seems to not be enough qualified people, enough people that the best way I can say this would be higher service, uh, people who are looking to give uh, more than the basics. Um, there's just not enough people or they, there's a lot of people struggling finding it. Um, have you done anything specifically to position yourself? Do you feel like you're feeling that struggle? Where are you as far as hiring, staffing? Any difficulties there right now? We're in pretty good shape. I, I, I believe that Merit has a really good system because uh, it, it is pretty rigorous. Uh, we do have a group interview that you go through. That's one of the early stages of the process. Uh, so even you know if I'm hiring someone for my welcome desk, they are first before they get, you know, I, I'll have a brief phone call with them and lay out how this is going to look. But um, that's not the nuts and bolts of the interview. They first have to pass the group interview. And once they pass that, then they come back to me and do a sit down at the club with myself or and or department heads. Um, so having that extra layer uh, tends to help with the quality of candidate we get. I have not had a problem. One of the beauties of having summer camps is that when summer ended, uh, a lot of the kids did go to college, but for the high school kids, they were still wanting to work. Uh, and so we were able to funnel them into, uh, I've got a bunch with me on the desk and uh, we've got a bunch in our kids zone as well. 
and they've already, you know, they're super comfortable with the club. They were with the kids all summer. So that's worked out well. The only place I would say that is a struggle and it's a struggle at all of our clubs, not just my club is aquatics. And I think because aquatics is slowly moving, you know, if you're looking at uh, like a CPR AED cert, you do it in a couple hours, mm-hmm. but a lifeguard cert is not right. That's a, that's a, a long certification. It's not easy. People fail it. So uh, hiring for aquatics is quite tricky. Yeah. And you guys are just far enough inland to where there isn't, there isn't any real population. I mean, I know there are lakes and things like that, but um, I could see there not being a high demand generally for lifeguard certifications versus if you were in a more coastal part of Maryland, for instance. So I think that's going to be a, a tough thing to be up against there. So, okay. So that gives me a rundown of, of all of that side of the business. Um, in addition to what you're offering, the actual, the service parts of the business, um, do you have other, other revenue streams that you have or that you're working on? Like, are you selling nutrition coaching or supplements, retail? Are there any of those that are really um, significant revenue streams for you in a club like yours? Yes. So, so I would some of the out-of-the-box uh, revenue streams would be that before and after care, the summer camps. Um, we do have a wellness department with a dietitian. So yes, that is a service that we sell. Um, swimming is huge. So some of the biggest things that we do are aquatics based, which we have, uh, we're a Michael Phelps swim school here, and we have multiple different swim teams that rent space to use the pool. Um, so that that's a big revenue driver, as well as in the summer, we actually manage this club and my aquatics director uh, manages two outside pools. So it's two community pools and, and we manage them. So that's, an, that's another one there. Okay, and then on, on the retail side, is that a big aspect of your business? Uh, clothing, um, drinks, supplements, proteins, things like that. I just, you know, with such a big audience, you know, captive audience, are those things that, that you go into or did you, do you leave that off to, you know, for people to, to get from other, other sources? No, I would say that it is, that it is not. Uh, since since I've been here, I've grown um, the, the, you know the cooler drinks and in the bars a little bit, but there there's just not um, doesn't seem to be a big market. And I think I think that comes from a market with um, more lifters, and I don't have a whole lot of big lifters in the club, so not selling a whole lot of that. Uh, we have a liquor license. We we do sell uh, alcohol, beer, and wine. But I don't even I don't do a whole lot of that either at this club where some of our clubs have a thriving uh, business there. Um, and we do have another, uh, and I'm glad I almost forgot. We do have another thing called LM Prep. So we do one of our clubs has a full commercial kitchen, and we have a chef there that does um, you know meal prep, chef style meals that um, will get delivered. So my members order by Thursday and they get delivered here Monday by three o'clock. And so it's, you know, you can choose from a 
keto diet to paleo to vegan. And so there's a bunch of different options that you can choose with our LM prep uh, ready to go meals. Definitely another way where you can take advantage of the economies of scale of having nine clubs where a, a single location might not be able to make that work. It's a, a nice thing to be able to offer. One of the other things I wanted to talk about was your, your company, Merit Clubs, are the offshoot and brainchild of a, a real estate investor in your area. And the, there's probably no surprise that one of the other things that you do with your club is you actually have rental space inside. Can you give us a little bit of insight into that and how that works as a, a revenue stream and also a benefit to the clients? Yes. So with the um, the current lessee, the uh, Agape Physical Therapy, uh, uh, it really works hand in hand quite well with the club. So you have um, a physical therapy space with inside of the club. A lot of their therapies are, are done actually in the pool. Um, we, we do have a warm therapy pool that's at 94 degrees. And so they'll do a lot of work with their clients in there. But it's a great way. Um, it's a good service for our current members that may have an injury or something like that to turn to them. But on the flip side of things, there are a lot of people that aren't members that are going to Agape to, to get better. And then once they get to that point, they send them to us. And so then they can begin their workout program uh, with merit. So, so that is a good uh, relationship there. And the other one were, uh, I believe February one, I've got a, um, a scuba dive center slash school coming to our other retail space. Um, and so we're gonna, we're, we are gonna be doing dive certifications in our in our deep black pool. Um, and we, we already plan on branching that out to a couple of the other clubs. So that, that should be a fun win-win uh, too. Perfect, perfect. So we've covered a lot of the aspects of, of where the business is, is how it operates, the different sectors of it. Um, are there any other things that stand out, anything else that you think you do uniquely there uh, that you think would be beneficial to share at this point? Or do you think we've dug into all the, the big highlights of, of Merit and of your Eldersburg Club? The thing that I see that's most unique about us is our, our focus on retention. Um, because I, you know, I think most clubs are just really just focused on sales and we recognize that retention is just such a huge key. It's so much less expensive to keep them than to keep chasing new members. Um, so both, not both, but lengthening each member's stay, you know, I, I, I believe the average is at least pre-pandemic, I want to say it was 24 months, it might be 21 or 22 months now, but just trying to add months onto that number of how long each person stays uh, can have dramatic effects on on your bottom line and your net operating income. So that's that's a big play for us. Yeah, retention is you. It doesn't matter how good your sales are if you get a leaky bucket. So yep. definitely good that that you're focusing there. So all right, I want to shift gears before we let you go. We have a couple minutes left. For you personally, you know, a veteran in the industry, somebody who's who's been through and a lot of the ups and downs, you've seen a pandemic, you've seen a recession, you've seen, you know, various fads, things that come and go. Um, 
if you had to pick one or two things that you've learned along the way in your career that you think have served you best and maybe if you knew them sooner would be most beneficial uh, that you could share with our audience, what, what would those be? I think you have to be, think about being adaptable and step it up a notch. You have to be more adaptable and you have to, you have to learn how to adapt and move. And that it, whether it's in a big club like this and the pandemic hits and schools are closed, creating something like Merit Minds where the kids can come here and do their virtual learning in our space, which is a thing that happened, to if you're at a um, mid-price club and you have a low-cost competitor coming in, you know, to not just stick your head in the sand and to fight them. Um, I, I, I think you have to, those are the probably two of the big takeaways I've learned is, is you know, to be adaptable in, in that sense um, and learn how to maneuver. And, and I think the, you know, the other thing that we talk about is that, um, you know, it, you don't want to be an overtly political business, but elections, politics, these things matter. You know, we, we've been really active in trying to lobby for the Gym Sales Act. Uh, excuse me, the gym, so the gym act mm -hmm. uh, in Congress. And so, you know, all of the, the team members sending out letters trying to get that act passed to, to help with protections for the fitness business. Because when something like COVID hits and, and you get shut down, you, you learn real quick who, who, you know, who your friends are and aren't. Yeah, for sure. All right, sir, we are just about out of time. Uh, any parting words before we get uh, all the contact information, all the good places to find you and find Merit? I, I'm super, uh, super glad to be a part of it. Um, your podcast, as well as this, this business, um, we're, we're not back 100% yet, but we're, we made huge strides in 2021 and we hope to uh, ride a, a big wave in 2022 back and, and potentially better than even pre-pandemic. So looking really forward to that. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And, and thank you for being part of this. And um, it sounds like you got back into the business with the right company and uh, things are going in a good direction for you. So last thing before we let you rock and roll out of here, uh, where can people find, find Merit, find your specific club, social media websites, anything you want to give us? Yeah, so you can just look up Merit Clubs on uh, Facebook, Instagram. We have a TikTok now. Uh, and, and again, it's Merit Clubs, two R's, two T's, uh, as well as on Facebook. And so I, I, I would have my, my own individual one at MeritClubs.com, Eldersburg, and, and there are other clubs as well, so, or MeritClubs.com for, for the web. Um, so that's, that's how you can find us on social media and on, on, the, on the web. Okay, sir, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Tom. I, I appreciate it as well. Thanks for your time. You're very welcome. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for being here with us, spending part of your day. Listening to us, we hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, click that subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, click the link in the description. Someone from our team will reach out to you as soon as possible then we'll get you on. To everybody out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but 
Don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches and learn more about their business and business knowledge as a whole. I'm your host, Ryan Carson, and today we're here with John. John, how's it going, man? Man, it's going great. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for being on the show today. Man, thank you for having me. My honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. So what is the name of your facility and where are you guys located at? I'm located in Detroit, Michigan, uh, Grind Time Fitness, LLC. Um, I've been in business for seven years now and I'm having fun doing it. Nice, man. Having fun. That's what it's about, right? Yep. Having fun doing it. So let me ask you this, man. So what, like, what got you started in this? Like, what made you want to open up a gym? You know what? This is actually prophesied to me while I was at a church service. Okay. Yeah. I'm a former Detroit police officer. Yeah. And um, a guy came to our church to preach one day and he prophesied that I was going to be this great fitness leader and I was supposed to leave my job and start this. So I did. So I went outside because I didn't have any money or financial backing. So I started with one client and we started working outside. And then that one person grew into three people, three people grew into seven, seven into 12 and into 21. And I remember these numbers because it was blowing my mind that people were showing up to work out with me outside. You know what I mean? But people were getting results because they liked my training style. And um, I'm blessed to say that in seven years, seven years, we're over 500 members now both physically and virtually so i'm blessed to be able to do what we're doing i love awesome man so let me ask you this so when you started um let's say after that church service dude you know gave you the prophecy prophesized uh Mm -hmm. what you're going to do so did you start right away did you just go quit your job or or how did that work out exactly no i had to wean myself off of it and this is what i teach entrepreneurs you never burn a bridge until you can part the waters completely just jump out of my job but I pulled back some so I could supplement time to be able yeah. to build what I was trying to build. Okay, awesome. And how long after that until you actually got in uh, your first location? I want to say it, it was fast, man, because um, when we were outside, obviously we didn't have to contend with the weather, but right. when the fall comes, you know, D- Detroit is cold, man. So we had to go into the basement of my church. <laughs> yeah. I the pastor of, the church, of a church here in the city and uh, he allowed me to train in the basement of the church for a second. And by the time we got out of that winter, that next January, um, I was going into my first building, which was a 1,400 square footer. It wasn't too big, mm-hmm. wasn't too small, but um, it took me about five months, five months. Man, that, yeah, that, that's a good story for sure. So fast forward to today, um, you guys are in this new facility. You've been in this one for three years. So yes, what's the square footage on this one right now? Uh, 7,500 square feet. 7,500. Okay, good, man. So you're, you're above industry average. Industry average, what we're seeing like for your business model is about 2,000, 2,500. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. get to make, um, so like, how do you, how do you make use of the facility? Like, is everything all group training? Do you have like different areas 
What's kind of your layout? I broke down my gym into different stations and each station solves a problem. Okay. So for my people that are coming to me, predominantly will be women. Women have children. They couldn't bring their kids to my old gym because it was too small. But when I got into this facility, instead of me putting a whole bunch of weights everywhere, I said, let me make some use of some space. So I built a tutoring center in an area in my gym. And then on the other side of the tutoring center is a theater. So there's a tutor that when people bring their children, each parent gets a pager. So if your kid got to go to the bathroom, we paid you during class so you can come back there and take your kid to the bathroom. But kid is back there working with one of our tutors on whatever school level that they're on. And then after uh, they're done with their homework, they're able to go to the other side, which is a theater. Then I built a kitchen um, here in the gym as well. I have an on-staff chef that comes in um, a few days out the week and she meal preps during before and after class for people who may need that to, you know, kind of help them with their uh, eating regimen. Cause a lot of times people just don't have the time to prep. Yeah. We solved that problem. Then we got a t-shirt area where we make our, all of our own apparel. I don't outsource anything. Everything is done in house. Nice man. Um, let me see what else we got around here. Sauna. <laughs> yeah. We got an infrared sauna in here. We got weight stations and stuff, but predominantly I wanted to create more space because of what I do. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of plyometrics. I do a lot of jumping jacks, a lot of burpees, a lot of jump squats. So I didn't need a whole bunch of, of, of equipment, which is what's so cool about my space. Um, so we put an indoor track in here as well. 30 times around the track is a mile. Okay. Okay. And, um, in the middle of that to track is 2000 square feet of just turf. Gotcha, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like, so you definitely have something for everybody there. Um, so someone comes in, like, is like, what are the what are the class sizes for you guys typically? Right now, because we have to factor in the social distancing piece. Yeah. So I think I couldn't have, but like I say, thank God, I'm able to kind of spread people out and still get my numbers where I need them to meet my quotas for payroll and things. Yeah. It's um, before COVID, I could fit 90. There were classes, man, where I had almost 200 people in here. <laughs> Oh my God, so amazing. But with the COVID thing, you know, now I think that it's part of society that we have to factor it into whatever we do. Yeah. So um, people need to feel comfortable. I do allow people to, if they're vaccinated, if they want to take their mask off, they can. Uh, But we spread out and we can get anywhere from 35 to about 45 people in here comfortably. Okay. So um, since you've had to like lower, lower the number of people that can come at once, did you add more class times or what do you guys do to combat that? You know what? I'll be honest, man. There were times where we kept adjusting and trying to shift and trying to figure it out when really we should have just been kind of just paused on pause because none of us really know what this thing is. We still don't. We don't know if we're going to be shut down or if we're going to uh, be able to open back up in two weeks. Or So I stopped planning all of that and I dwindled my class uh, times down to just two classes. I wasn't going to overwork myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so sure. Now that things are kind of picking back up, we're just kind of starting to pick some of our routines and practices back up. Mm-hmm. But for a long stint of time, I was just at a point where I got tired of being shut down and then yeah. opening up and then shutting down and then opening up. And for all my gym owners out there, you know, you probably can uh, understand this that when you opened up, it was like you had to open up a brand new gym, you know, because people in their momentum, momentum is important. Yeah. You get a person that's been locked in, focused, and then they go on vacation, 
Yeah, <laughs> it's man, it's hard to get them back into the routine. So yeah. imagine them taking four months off. Yeah, horrible. So um, now we just get into a place where we can kind of comfortably start picking up our routines again. Mm-hmm. So that's what we are now. So we're going to add some more classes in the future, but I'm not in a rush. I'm not. Yeah. Now, how um, how long were you guys shut down total? Oof. I want to say if we collectively total out all of the months we were closed, I want to say, man, about a good seven months. God, man. So has it been recent too, like in 2021 that you guys had to shut down? Um, I think the last shutdown we came out of was at um, – around February, we were coming out of shutdown, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, okay. And since then, we have not gotten shut down. But, um, you know, it's, it's crazy times because you got people who have a genuine concern about the virus who think that things need to shut down. And you got people who are tired of things being shut down. They want them to open right. up. Yeah. So, but the way things are looking, I don't think, at least for Michigan, that we can afford, the, 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 that the city, I mean, that the uh, state can afford another shutdown. Yeah, so that makes sense. Again, but... Thank God for virtual options. Yeah, for sure. And that was my next question I was about to ask. So what did you guys do to compensate for that? Um, so virtual, do you still have people on virtual now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, what we had to do was we had to, because I don't think any of us were prepared for COVID. You know, I think right. we it was a rumor, but when it hit us, it hit us fast, it hit us hard, and it hit us quick. And most of my attendants were people who come to the gym. Yeah. I didn't have a virtual presence. So I had to figure it out. So we created um, a private Instagram that only the people who sign up for virtual can get into. Mm-hmm. And then my team tracks um, their membership duration. And then they'll send them a ri- reminder to their DM that, hey, your membership is about to expire. Renew or we're going to block you. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. So uh, right now I'm, I am building an app that's going to encompass all the things that I need for yeah. my virtual. But that's what we were doing just to kind of figure out what we needed to figure out, you know, like everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And, and that, that's a good point. You know, the, the virtual, I think really saved a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that you could kind of pivot and throw something together. I mean, obviously it, it's one of those things like, I mean, of course, and you know, the Instagram isn't the perfect option, but it's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. So, it's better for you to go ahead and throw that together than to wait around for the app to be done. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Entrepreneurship is, is, and, and I think in hard times, like we're in right now, this is when we get to flex our entrepreneurial muscles. That's true. That's true. We build up the endurance for whatever's, you know, to come. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that's a good point because, um, you know, with my gym, no, we weren't shut down for, you know, seven months total, it was about two months. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself, uh, about what you're capable of, about what you can push through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and once you get back open, you know, I mean, even though it's still tough, it's not the same. You kind of see like, hey, it could be worse, right? Like, I I could be shut down. And but I'm not. So I think it makes you appreciate things a lot more too. 100%. Yeah, I'm just now finding my rhythm. I was telling somebody this the other day. I find myself now falling in love with this all over again, just because, you know, like you said, it makes you more grateful to be able to do something like you do, you know? Yeah, man, hundred percent. So looking at like ways you guys get clients. So what is your main source of acquisition, you know, getting new members right now? Social media, word of mouth. 
I tell people don't spend, one time I spent $6,000 on a billboard and got <laughs> one person to come to the gym. So yeah. it's not always that bigger is better. Just make sure that your content is interesting. Know who, know what kind of clients that you're trying to market to and then sell them what you think that, that would intrigue them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My, most of my stuff comes from social media. I push families. So I want people to come with their husbands, with their wives, um, with the girlfriends, whoever. And then I want them to bring their kids too. Um, yeah. tell a family experience. So my, my demographic is wide open. So I don't have to just target one specific market, but I'm after everybody, anybody who want to get better. I want. Them. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's, that's good too, that people can feel, you know, that family aspect too. I think there's a lot of gyms that, you know, maybe, maybe the wife doesn't feel welcome or maybe the husband doesn't feel welcome. Yeah. And that kind of creates, you know, it, it can create a little bit of tension. So, you know, the fact that you're open for everyone, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people love that. Mm -hmm. And you know what, and this is just a, a little bit of advice to all of my gym owners. It's not just what you do for your customer, the way they feel while they're with you. And you got to pay more attention to your experience if, if, and especially my gym owners, not just trainers, but my gym owners, Pay attention to your experience. What I started doing a couple uh, months ago was I noticed that society is kind of spread out, Ryan. Everybody kind of distanced because we've been in the house. So people kind of socially awkward right now. Yeah. So before we start each class, you got somebody who might be there for their first day and they might be nervous and they might be standing next to somebody who's been working out for months. And that person might be standing next to a senior citizen, right? So I want everybody before we start to feel comfortable. So before we pick up a weight, I say, you know, everybody find somebody in the room, introduce yourself that you've never to, uh, to someone that you've never met before and remember their names. Don't just give them a filler and move on. Speak to them intentionally. Yeah. Remember who that is. Yeah. What that does is it creates cohesion with, uh, with your clientele. So they come to the gym and they get used to seeing Ashley. Now they know Ashley. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It yeah. creates more of a community and it makes people feel like they're a part of something, not just that they're a number. Yeah. You know absolutely. I mean? So just a little bit of advice. Yeah, man. That's and yeah, that's good. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you can get that family feel in there, like not only family, but when people consider their gym as family, you mm -hmm. know, you create a good culture. That's yeah. one thing that makes your gym and your services sticky, so to speak, right? Like, you know, you want to make it to where people not only come for the workouts, but like you said, they feel good about themselves and it makes it hard for them to leave too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so that's your, so basically marketing right now is social media for you. So for let's sure. say like someone comes into the gym, um, that just joined. So what happens next? Like what, what do you guys take them through? Like brand new person, never been there before. Okay, so we take them to, we have a welcome desk. So one of my assistants specifically gives them everything in their new member um, consultation, just to welcome them, give them their welcome packet, their membership card, tell, shows them around where everything is, makes them feel comfortable. Um, and then we go over all of my parameters. Like I have a 15 minute grace period. So I'm big on time, accountability and discipline. If you're 15 minutes late to my class, you're not getting in because we locked the door. Yeah. So everybody knows when that door opens, get in here. So we tell <laughs> the new member that. But then we started something cool when we opened up this facility three years ago where all of my, my gym is covered in handprints. If you guys can go to my social media, you'll see what I mean. It's um, at John Houston Smith, all traditional right. spelling. But my gym, Ryan, is covered in handprints, man. And those handprints are color coordinated 
um, by weight loss, right? So all the little white handprints in my gym represent people who have lost between 10 and 19 pounds. Okay. And then they have their name up under it, well, how much they lost specifically. All the blue ones are people who have lost between 20 and 49 pounds. And then on my red are people who have lost between 50 and then 99. And then the silver uh, is 100 pounds plus. So when a person comes in, they instantly walk around and see that whatever they're trying to do is possible because they yeah. see all the handprints all over the place. So we kind of give them that. Um, but then the last thing that we do is we introduce them to somebody else. Yeah. It's like yeah. we find somebody that we know is a, a friendly person or a hard worker and we say, hey, come here, this is such and such. Can you be our buddy for the day? Absolutely. Nobody ever minds. Yeah. Right? And then that person feels like instantly they've been attached to somebody else. So that's how we do it. Yeah, man, I love that. Yeah, and that's and that's part of the cohesion you were talking about. So you introduce that on day one, like as soon as they come in, like they don't want, like they're not feeling alone, they're feeling like part of the group. Absolutely. Growth must be cultivated. Yeah. You know, you know, it's not just you putting seeds in the ground, expecting stuff to grow. You got to water it. So, you know, the way you water, um, uh, like if you really want to grow and develop your clientele, because you don't want just to grow in numbers, you want to, you want the people to grow themselves yeah. when i'm talking growth guys i'm not just speaking how many members you got when you start looking at your members and your numbers like that that's you're looking at it from the wrong perspective look at your people and see okay when she came in she didn't smile a lot now she smiled every day yeah that's what you got to look for that's yeah. when you know your gym is growing yeah absolutely man yep so we are running out of time on the actual podcast so uh one question i always like to ask people here at the end so Let's say a year from now, um, no, we'll say no, um, we're not worried about restrictions or anything. Assume that that uh, doesn't matter. What does growth look like for you? Like, where do you want to be in a year? In a year. It's interesting you say that because right now, I'm just now finding my rhythm again. Yeah. I see myself adding more classes because I would like a bigger space, but like I said, I don't know how this COVID thing is going to play out. Yeah. And now that we're in this virtual space, virtual has now given us um, the opportunity to go into, I got people in the UK. That nice. Yes. Yeah. It's like, why go spend a whole bunch of money investing into another bigger brick and mortar with more lights and gas and more needs for toilet tissue mm. when I can just, make my cameras better and get, yeah. you know, so growth and expansion for me. Um, I, of course, want to add a couple more classes, not too many, but um, that just enhancing the virtual space. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yep. Yeah. It's up for grabs. So that's, that's definitely a good goal. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, John. Well, thank you, man, for being a guest on the podcast today. Um, I, had, I had a good time with you, had some good conversation and I know that our audience got some value as well. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. If you found value from this, please hit the subscribe button. And if you're a gym owner and you want to be a guest in the podcast, click the link in the description. Until next time, Gym Lords out. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Words podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guests, Matt and Kevin, owners of Box Fitness in Performance on Long Island. How are you guys doing today? Great, great. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Great, man. Excited to have you guys on, hear about your, your twist, how you do things there at Box. So lay it down for us. What are you all about there? Um, we're about semi-private training programs so everybody's got their own program and uh you know we can still keep it in a small group you know keep it very individualized that's really the focus here awesome and and i always like to dig in a little bit because semi-private for me i think is one of the best models but people throw it around everybody's got different different descriptions different ways they roll it but you guys are truly very small group you know two to maybe three clients but mostly just two, two clients per coach at a time, individualized programming, very, very highly customized, um, not, not calling a one-on-five or one-on-ten semi-private. So like almost in the truest form, just one notch above one-on-one personal training, right? Exactly, yep. And we get to absorb, you know, our price between two people or three people for that matter. So we kind of initially when we opened, tried to keep it, um, recession proof pricing. Little did we know we'd actually go through a recession at some point <laughs> in the first three years of being open. But, you know, I got into the industry in 2008, well, 2007, and then 2008 happened in the housing crisis. And, you know, that really affected uh, the commercial gym that I was at. And I saw that and they had pretty low pricing. It was pretty inexpensive. And we actually grew during that time. Um, you know, I don't think that the one-on-one model was something I'd ever go into, but I watched them actually flourish during that recession compared to lifetime fitness and other facilities like that. So it was interesting to watch. So we kind of wanted to come up with something that was the best of both worlds where you could still have, you know, personalization and not have a extremely high price point, you know, so that we could obviously be paid (laughs) what we felt we deserved. So, yeah, for sure. And as owner operator coaches, it serves purposes on two sides, right? Because if you're doing, if you were doing one-on-one personal training, right, you have a cap. I can only charge this much. And, and even in the best market, right? It's not like you can be like, I can get $500 an hour personal training, right? We're not, we're not training A-list celebrities for the most part. Maybe you have some, but, but there's only so much a market will take. But all of a sudden now you can, right? I can get more. I can scale myself without duplicating and still be in there doing the coaching. And it also gives that a price break to the clients. It makes it a little more accessible. So 
you work it from both ways. If it works for you as a trainer and it works or three ways and it works for the client and then it works for the business because you can support that, right? You don't need to scale with more people necessarily. You can, you guys double your capacity just by going to two on one and maybe who knows I know you do some three on one and I'm sure uh, for you, it's going to be a matter of quality, right? You only take that third person. If you feel like you can give them the same attention, give them the same experience as you'd give to two, correct? Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, also referrals, you know, we looked at it where if you have, say, 100 members, you know, to grow that 100 members, if each person gives you one person, right, you can get to 200. But if you have 200 people, you can get to 400 much easier, not to say that those are the numbers we're working with. But, you know, that that scalability model with all of our business, mostly coming from referrals. So we figured that two on one would just help us get there faster. For sure. I also, for sure. I also feel that it attributed to our success because, you know, as going from one-on-one -on -one to semi-private two-on-one or three-on-one, it allowed us to refine our systems. And we're, we're really good on that one-on-one -on -one basis and making those personal adjustments to the individual. And when we started doing the two-on-one, it really allowed us to still give that individual attention to both people. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. So the, this business in this incarnation started in 2018, correct? Yes. And was it the two of you together from day one? Yeah, we had worked together previously and, and kind of went off and did our own thing on the side. And, you know, we worked in a commercial gym together. That's where I met Kevin. And, uh, you know, I was doing some of the uh, onboarding for for the new hires at, at the gym. So I had taken on a kind of not a management role, but a semi-management role where I, I would kind of bring on the new, uh, the new, you know, talent, so to speak for the gym. And uh, so we kind of hit it off. He had a, a passion for continuing ed education. And uh, we both kind of said, you know what, we don't really align with maybe the uh, corporate structure. So we went and we had a little garage gym. So really as much as we started our brick and mortar here, in 2018, I'd say it was probably closer to 2015 that we kind of had a side little business out of a garage with a heater. So very humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah. So you found somebody who was like-minded. You guys had the same, same goals, same values, same drive, and you put your time in and somewhere in 2018, something happened, right? What did that look like? What pushed you over the edge? What made you guys say, all right, it's time to sign a lease, time to get into a spot. And let's let's go into this, you know, full on. Um, uh, you know, I think it was when I first started at the commercial gym, the first week they asked us like what our goals were. And I said to open my own facility, I always wanted to work with athletes. Um, and I don't think there was one individual thing that happened. I think it was more of a breaking point um, <laughs> working in a commercial structure long enough, you know you start to uh, kind of, I don't want to say get demoralized, but, you know, you need that next step. And, and I felt that, uh, you know, everything was kind of lined up for that in terms of where our education was and kind of our business minds were kind of there. I don't think I really thought too much about the business side of it. Obviously, when you first start, you just want to become a better trainer. And I felt that me and him had kind of dug into the books a little bit and, you know, got a lot of, you know, resources. Uh, obviously, the internet's a very valuable place to learn about things. And, and uh, you know, we had a few clients that were really supporting us in that. So they kind of kind of gave us that push to, to really do our own thing. And they wanted to see us succeed. So so we did it. Yeah, whether you whether you had realized it or not at the time, I guess I don't know even know if it's a knock on the commercial gym because you can you can learn a lot there. But if you start getting that entrepreneurial bug, you start realizing like, hey, I I do want this responsibility. 
and for us, a lot of times it's control too. Like I want, I think I can do it. I can serve my clients better. I think there's a better way because you're, you get in it to get people results and it's a great way to make a living. But anytime you feel like you're handcuffed and you can't do things to the fullest extent, you're going to want to break through those barriers. Right. And it's not, it's not because the, the system is broken or it's bad. It's just, it's not ideal for you to do your best. Absolutely. Well, with the big commercial gyms too, you know, some of them have a lot of trainers working there and you kind of start to get lost in the wash of all of it. And they really don't give you, I don't want to say recognition, but they really don't notice how much effort you're actually putting into it. Cause when you're a trainer in a big gym like that, you are your own boss per se, or you, you take it as far as your education goes. So when our retention rate was the highest out of all the trainers, but you were really basically judged on how much money you brought in. And again, not to knock on commercial gyms, they all have their place in the industry, but you know, once, once you're associated with your sales number and not your retention rate or your ability to produce results, that's when I believe it gets frustrating. Yeah, I can see that. And it's, you know, from a corporate standpoint, like most commercial gyms aren't owned by trainers. They're not owned by people who, have that same level of involvement with clients or, or that connection, it's a lot of times it's just a business investment. So it just looks like black and white numbers on a page. And yes, right. You guys know, as business owners, those numbers got to add up because if you're not there, you can't help anybody. If you're making more money, you can do more things. It stacks up. But for us as, as small gym owners, as high service gym owners, we're looking at how much service can we provide how great can we make the experience for the customers? Yeah, let's grab a paycheck. And it's, it's the reverse model in those. It's how many people can we sign up that don't show up? And then the people that do show up, how much can we sell them of everything, regardless of their results or like you say, the retention, how long they stay, whatever it is. So it's from a, from a corporate standpoint, it makes sense when it's black and white but it never gives you that same feeling of fulfillment. I think that you do as, as a trainer that sees somebody month after month, maybe year after year in, in getting those results and progress. Definitely. I agree. So it, it always makes me think um, one of my favorite authors is Simon Sinek. Um, and he has a lot of cool stuff, but one of my favorite quotes is he says, numbers of people aren't people, they're numbers. And that just kind of summarizes that whole thing. It's like, shit. Right. Like it's not how many sometimes it's just how well can we do it? So I, I can see where you guys could find that frustration and use it, turn it into motivation and just come out and, and do what you're doing here. So absolutely, that's why we're here today. Right. Because you guys felt that you had that, you know, higher purpose, wanted to serve more. So you open the doors in 2018. You have some client base that's established from working out with you guys in the garage. Maybe some people here you're leaving the commercial gym. So you get that little little kickstart. What did that look like? You know, how many clients were you working with when you opened the doors? And what did you do to grow that to where you are today? Or let's bring it at least up to COVID because everybody got a little kick in the head from that pain in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Um, our exact number starting out was uh, 25. We had 25 wow. clients. That's so awesome we went, that you know that. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. So um for me, it was 25 people. Um, and we did like, we started selling memberships before we ever even opened. And, uh, you know, we hit about, I want to say 
coming out of that summer, we opened in uh, April, May, I think we started and um, we went with 25. And I think we doubled those numbers in like the first maybe two months, three months. And it was mostly word of mouth. I think some people saw, um, saw us opening our own facility. Obviously, social media is a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, people that I had trained in the past, uh, Kevin had trained in the past, they reached out and they were interested in uh, starting up again. So it was kind of a combination of things. But yeah, we, we started with 25. And I think we were at 50 in, in a few months. Cool. And then so that was what it bring up brought us to about July, August 2018. So then you get all till next summer of 2019 and then into spring of 2020, you guys are just rolling, right? You're just adding people, adding service. And I'm sure there's some growing pains on the way there, things you're figuring out with your intern programs, figuring out how you can make use of that. But really, it sounds like you had a pretty smooth trajectory right up till spring of 2020, right? Yeah, we were about, uh, I think, 300% uh, year over year. So we, uh, we, yeah, we were doing really well in that regard. And, and, we're, and we're pretty much back there now by the numbers, obviously. Mm -hmm. It took us a little while, a little different business now, obviously. But, but pre-COVID, yeah. yeah, we were about 300%. So the burning question for everybody, you know, especially hearing, you know, you know, Jim's in the New York area, Ontario, Canada, some parts of California, really got the hardest restrictions or the hardest hit. Everybody had different tactics. What did you guys do to make it through to get to the other side of this thing? We sort were, of the other side. Yeah, so whatever, yeah. Whatever we are now, right? Yeah. So we we actually decided that we were going to program initially, just not charge anyone. Um, you know, we had we were fortunate enough to have a large growth in a short amount of time. So from the financial aspect, the uncertainty, we didn't really know what to do. So I said, you know what? Um, we weren't the only ones taking this hit. Obviously, so were our customers and a large percentage of them lost jobs and things of that nature. So, so we kind of wanted to make sure that we took care of them because, you know, essentially they take care of us. They allow us to live our lives and they pay our salaries. So we work for them. Um, so we, and we decided to uh, just kind of program everyone for free and we carried that over for a few months um, in, into this. And then we started uh, actually having people just start paying us for the programs. We didn't even ask for it. So we, uh, <laughs> we had a really generous group of people and, and they started kicking us money and it kind of worked out that way. And we never really asked for it, but not the greatest business. I wouldn't recommend it to people, but we, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's just what we did. And I think people really saw that. And uh, I'll tell you what, everyone that we wrote a program for, for the most part is still here today. So I don't know, maybe it was the best thing we did. I'm not really sure how to measure that, but. Yeah, I think no matter what, everybody likes to talk about their community and their culture and their members are like family, especially in a micro gym environment, right? Something that's not a big box commercial gym. But when you see things like that happening, it's like, it could be your opinion that that's how it is. But then that happens, you're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really real. Like everything I thought about these people is accurate and it just makes you want to serve them more, do better, be better for them. So you know, congratulations to you guys for, for making it through. And like I said, maybe you wouldn't preach to everybody that you just stopped charging. Some people did, some didn't, yeah. but it worked. You're here on the other side. So um, there's been at least one kind of silver lining in the COVID cloud for you guys in that you scaled back your model a little bit, right? You had been looking into going a little bit bigger groups, a little bit more. I'm sure some combination of restrictions, closures, you, you brought that back down but it sounds like you're really happy with the level of service that you're offering. 
and what that did for you. So can you go into that a little bit more? Sure. Um, I don't know if you want to take this one. Um, I think by design with our systems that we've been implementing, our check-in rates have actually gone up. So I think uh, by getting a little bit more personal with everyone and not really looking towards expanding as much or getting that three-on-one, it, it kind of pulled us back to get even more personal with everyone. And like you said, develop that community a little bit more intently. And I think people really appreciated that more. And, you know, our average check-in rate was two times a week and now it's growing to three times a week. And our check-in rate is almost as close to what it was pre-COVID. Yeah, with less people. So, you know, we're having higher frequency and we really just focus on systems. I actually was sitting at home and I was pretty lost in the middle of this thing. And I only had a few fighters that were in fight camp because only professional athletes could actually participate in indoor activities. So uh, I was in here with a lot of free time and uh, yeah, we just went back to the drawing board on our systems and we really kind of, I don't say gutted the thing, but we really kind of reevaluated a lot in terms of the way we onboard and we really slowed that down and we take our time a lot more. We're not, you know, we had a lot of growth. So you know, you have to move fast and you want to keep up with the money when it's coming in, but at what cost? So we really took that step back and kind of really hyper-focused on the things that were, we were successful at, make them even better, but then really, you know, focus on what we needed to bring up to catch up to everything else. And, and I think systems were definitely that in terms of onboarding and assessments and things like, you know, things like that. Well, one of the hardest parts is wearing all hats, right? So on our downtime, we're doing business stuff on the back end. And then when we're on the floor, obviously it's harder for us to get our programs done. So we're doing that when we go home after a long day of being on the floor. And I think COVID allowed us to kind of take a step back and really focus on all of the stuff that we were devoting less time to. Yeah, and one of the things that stood out to me is you're having the same number of check-ins or close with less people. So that just means your utilization, your engagement is up. Right. So moving people from maybe they were coming two times a week to now three, it seems like industry wide, statistically, people showing up three times a week aren't leaving you. They're not going anywhere. You know, and we see the trend, right? People go from three to two to one and then they're gone. But people that are coming three times a week, they're getting the best results. Most of these people probably have regular full time jobs. So, you know, three good sessions is probably good for them you're always at top of mind at the gym. It just, it keeps that length of engagement going. It keeps their results going, but doesn't burn people out. So it almost sounds like you, you really hit a sweet spot there as far as how much utilization engagement you're having from these clients. For sure. And referrals actually is higher than they were before. Actually, I think, you know, I'm sure partly of the model with the small space, I think people are comfortable in it. So it's kind of like if you had to uh, put a business model together for COVID, I think you, we kind of accidentally did that before. Um, you know, so it kind of worked for people in terms of comfort. Um, very few people in here in a large space. Um, so I think we had some benefit from that, but also I think when we got our systems going, we're, we were honestly getting people much better results. I actually questioned some of the stuff we were doing before, which was just common sense, you know, like, you know, at the time, but I think that that really made the big difference and the referrals are much higher in addition to those check-ins. That's what got us here. So. Yeah. It's great that you can look at those things and not just be married to systems that you have and say, well, that's the way we've always done it. So we're just going to stick with it rather than like, one of you looks at the other and you're like, why do we do this? I don't know. Maybe we should change it. Like 
Can we make it better? Can we make it better for us? Can we make it better for the clients? And either one of those is going to make it better for the business as a whole. So it's going to be good to have each other bounce stuff off of, you know, somebody to, to call the other one out when, when you have a crazy idea or to support you when you have a good idea. So I think that that yin and yang can really be beneficial. You know, good partnerships are amazing, right? People always shit on partnerships and it's like, yeah, bad partnerships suck, but a good one is way better than just talking to yourself all day in, in the office going, should I do this? You're always going to support whatever crazy ideas you have. So definitely. So you say that the space is small, but I mean, it's, it's 3,500 square feet. There are two of you doing the primary training, right? One or two people at a time and you have an intern, you know, where are you as far as capacity, potential growth, you know, potential for another, you know, full-time employee trainer, like what's the long-term look for you as far as what you can do with your facility? Um, I'd say we could probably, uh, we could probably double our numbers right now um, where we're at. Mm-hmm. So I would say in terms of obviously hiring, we, you know, somewhere in between there and, and, you know, 65, 70% capacity, I would say we would probably take on a coach uh, full-time employee. Um, I would say at, at, in addition to us um, and in terms of, you know, I'd say what was 50% right, right now about, yeah, we're running 50% capacity. Yeah. So you guys have, you have a lot of room to grow then. It sounds like everything that you do is going to be calculated. It's going to be planned. You're not going to add people just for the sake of ringing the cash register, but you do have that ability, right? You don't need to look for another space, right? Which is a, that's one of the worst positions is being maxed out and, in this real estate market can be crazy. I mean, it's always crazy where you guys are, but yeah. So you have room to grow there. So are you actively doing anything for that? Is it, um, you know, are you working on bigger referral plays? Are you working on, I know you have this marketing intern coming in. What does that look like for you as far as getting people to raise their hand and say, Hey, I heard what you guys have is really good. I think I'm interested. What do I do? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the referrals, we actually, it's like an unspoken thing. We don't really even tell people about it. We end up just kind of, you know, when they do bring us someone, we we give them back, you know? Um, and I think mm-hmm. people, when it's unexpected, they really appreciate that, you know? Um, we're not asking for it. If anything, we're a big time soft sell. I mean, I've had people where I go, yeah, just go home, you think about it, you know? And I'm like the least pressure. Um, I think that's a big part of making people feel comfortable. But in terms of our marketing, it's really just putting the gym out there. I mean, it's just like, we don't exist right now. Like we just started posting on social media again. I could go six months without doing that. And when we do do that, it does kind of end up, we end up having a few people reach out, people that maybe follow us that, you know, don't really know what we're about. So I think getting our messaging out to our model, you know, and uh, and really just kind of telling our story through the social media is really what we're working on with our with our marketing intern. And she's she's been great for that. She's really helping us kind of figure that out. You know, we needed a millennial in here to like tell us how to use social media. We have a TikTok now. So we're, uh, yeah, we're like getting caught up here. We're not really, uh, <laughs> we're like an old 35, you know what I mean? We're not... Uh, <laughs> super tech here. You guys are about the execution, the programming, the coaching, all that stuff, and and not really trying to acquire that new skill if you can leverage somebody else who's already who's already got it and wants to come in and help you do that. Yeah, and we're definitely not good at it because we don't even know what we need to be doing in the first place. So yeah, we just kind of, you know, if we can, we could, you know, delegate somebody else uh, that task. That, that's part of the 
part of the being a business owner, right? You got to figure out your highest ROI on time. It's not just money, it's time too. So um, operationally, the next standpoint, right? You get people coming in the door, that's good. What do you have, because your model is, is very specialized, very customized, what does it look like once somebody lands in front of you? I assume that either one of you would meet with a new client and have the same process. What does that look like? Take me through what that looks like to be, become a, a client of yours. Um, yeah, we, we start everybody off on an assessment, um, you know, nothing groundbreaking. Um, you know, we, we go through uh, an assessment, then me and Kevin tend to, we pick the person up, but then the next session, that's part of our newer system is we're, the other person's working with them their first session intentionally, because we want them to get the idea that they're training under a system, not necessarily just like with me, or just with Kevin, because I think that's really important for us to grow in the future, to have that existing client base, when we introduce a new person there, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. So we kind of wanted to get that out of the way right away. So people understand what it is, obviously, outside of a scheduling conflict, we tend to try to both train everyone. Um, but we have them in we do an assessment. Um, and generally, it's it's you know goal setting and, and traditional stuff, and we kind of show them what what it is we do. Um, generally, the assessment will will kind of I don't want to say impress the person, but um, I'd say relative to what of a lot of other facilities do, we try to get a little more involved. So we, we generally break it up over uh, probably about two hours. So we really take our time there. Okay, uh, two questions on that. First one is is an easy, simple question. Do you charge for your assessment? No. Okay. So complimentary assessment. I don't think there's a right or wrong there, but it's a question we always get asked. Some people are like, I'm not talking to anybody without getting paid. Hey, if it, if it works for you, cool. I think it can work either way. Second, um, you, so it sounds like you're using, I, I like the way that you said it, it will impress people because I think the way that you look at it is you're positioning yourself as professional right from day one. Like you're not just picking a place that you're going to come at and get sweaty and, you know, post a selfie on Instagram. I don't know if you guys know what Instagram is yet, but it's, it's social media. <laughs> we hear good things from our intern. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's really like you're coming here for a result. We're yeah. starting off from day one, figuring out why you're really here. Not just, I want to work out. I want to do something. It's like, why are you here? This is, these are all the questions I need to know to put together something that's specific to you and not a boilerplate. This is what we're going to do about it. It's, it starts right here with a relationship that you're either going to build and probably have for a year, two, three years, or you're not the right fit. Absolutely. It's kind of like taking the old mantra of like, you know, hire slow, fire fast. You know, we, we feel that that onboarding process when it's a little bit more involved, you know, I think that people really understand that we're, we're really looking out for them. You know, we're really trying to put something together for them. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing, especially with, you know, a lot of the high intensity interval type, you know, business models that are out there. And I'm not going to say individual places, but we get a lot of people from them. Um, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that they don't really know what to do to fill their time, you know, in that uh, those other hours. And we definitely give them those resources. So I think when they realize that we're going to kind of just, we program manage, like we, we don't even discourage them from going to those places. We just kind of manage it. You know what I mean? So we tend to get people a lot of results in a short period of time, just managing them. And I think when they realize that's kind of the services that we're offering is to be kind of their quarterback, so to speak. Um, I think it gives them a lot of confidence in, in the process because, you know, they still like that thing. I'm not here to bash it and, you know, ridicule them for doing it. Even if I don't think it's the best option, I think we could do better. 
Um, you know, but that's for us to help kind of work with them. And I think people like that approach, or at least we've had a got, uh, gotten a good response to that approach. Yeah. So I think you say quarterback, but it's like, you guys aren't just the field they can go play on. You're the quarterback, but you're also the coach, right? True. Proverbially and metaphorically, like, Hey, this is what you need to be a well-rounded person. That's getting what you want to do and stick with it. So with that being said, what scope of intervention do you guys provide? Obviously there's workout training, there's, there's, you know, hands-on coaching, there's, you know, whatever means of communication you use, whether it's text, email, whatever, but are you, are you looking at it holistically doing anything with nutrition supplements, online interaction, uh, accountability, what else is part of the whole package with you guys? Yes. Yeah. All of, <laughs> um, all of those things. <laughs> yeah. So I would say we, we actually, um, I, uh, polar heart rate monitoring, like the company is very local to us. So I've actually worked with them since 2007. And, um, after working with the fighters, um, really, really forced me to have a good understanding of conditioning and how that relates. So I'd say the, the only thing that you didn't really touch on was probably just more about managing stress. And, and we use like heart rate monitoring, um, and kind of just really teach people, right. Um, how to use them properly for whatever it is that they're doing outside of here. But yeah, we, we, you know, between, I don't like really like to text too much. So we generally just do it through email, you know, I, some downtime, you know, uh, I don't really want to be always answering my phone. Um, yeah, but sure. you know, nothing personal against anybody, but obviously you got to have some time off and, uh, you know, so mostly email and, and, uh, yeah, we just kind of help manage through, through all the technology that we use and, and that really helps a lot, but yeah, mostly through email and nothing too much really online. Gotcha. And you're providing, is it custom nutrition? Are you referring it out? Are you selling supplements in house or referring it out? Where, where's your land or, or your scope land for those things? Um, so yeah, we, we do offer, um, you know, nutrition, we don't get too involved in that, um, mm -hmm. kind of the, uh, precision nutrition approach to it, um, mm -hmm. you know, which Kevin is certified through. So uh, we kind of use him as our point man for the nutrition. And um, yeah, you know, obviously when we do stuff with the athletes with weight cutting and things like that, it's not something that I would necessarily do with general population. You want to cross boundaries there, you know, there's obviously some legality to that. Um, and even with the supplementation. So we, uh, we actually just start setting up an affiliate program through some of the supplement companies that we recommend already. So hopefully in the future, instead of carrying product, we'll be doing something with the affiliate links. That's part of our interns uh, responsibility. So good luck to her. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like that intern is going to, she's going to be move, moving a lot of mountains for you guys. And that's yeah. great. I'm sure, you know, most of these people, if you, you guys have done the intern thing, enough to know you find the right person and they come in and they really want to have that impact They're most of the time not there to just check off a box so For and sure. if they are i feel like you probably you guys might bounce them out on their ear quick anyway so we'll be here long yeah <laughs> so you have you have somebody working on your marketing you have a very structured process for getting people onboarded um you're working on some of these strategic partnerships some affiliates. What else is on the future for you guys? I know you have room to grow, but what's your long-term roadmap look like? Is it staying in, doing the majority of the coaching long-term? You know, if we go five years from now and, and you can wave a magic wand, what do things look like for the two of you? Um, I think, well, I can speak for myself that I definitely want to stay in it, you know, on the floor. I definitely want to continue coaching. 
You know, my, my wife yells at me all the time because I'll go home and I'll open the computer and start digging into some programming. I'll just go into a book and just start figuring other ways of doing things. And it, it truly is a passion. It's, it's, I can't get away from it even if I try. So this is definitely where my heart is. Um, but just looking forward to expand, you know, just creating that system that we can replicate and just start spreading the love. There's no better feeling than if we have someone come in through the door, they answer a questionnaire. Now on that questionnaire and ask them if they have any injuries, anything that bothers them, and they forget to write it down. So when we screen them, we start to identify these issues. And that's when the, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. I forgot about this one. And when we start taking them down the interventions of making them feel better and they start to notice, they, they leave here that first or second session and they're like, holy crap, I don't, I don't feel that pain anymore and I can do more. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly the point. So our system, if we can replicate that into another gym or we can start expanding, I think that really is the five-year goal right now. Yeah, step off the floor a little bit. I think. I think I, I'm I'm speaking for me now, Matt. But I I probably wouldn't want to be on the floor quite as much as we are right now. But again, you know, the passion is is you know we both have the same passion. I think we do this for free, like we did during COVID. Like I, honestly, um, you know, we just said we love this so much. We got to figure out a way to make money doing it, and hopefully it works out, kind of thing. But um, yeah, I would say definitely for me at least, I like some of the business stuff too. I like to uh, get in the office a little more than Kevin does, and that's fine. That's cool. And that's one of the reasons the partnership works, right? Is you guys both need to smell iron at some point during your day, right? Maybe you get a vacation here and there, but otherwise you're always going to want to come in, have your finger on the pulse. Maybe you have your favorite clients. We're not going to name any names uh, on the podcast, but there's always going to be people that you're excited. I mean, you get excited to see everybody on a long enough time frame, but there's just certain things. It's like you wake up, you're like, oh, I just this new training modality or this new thing. And like, this person's going to be perfect for it. Like that's always going to light you up. Yeah. But it's a matter of like, Oh, cool. A little more family time is good. Or maybe more, maybe more CEO time, whatever it is, but you guys aren't, you're not giving up. You're not going to be absentee owners. Like you may have seen in the, in the big box, the commercial gym side of things. Yeah, for sure. And we get it, you know, why, why people <laughs> do that at some point. And, you know, the burnout is real at times, but you know, I mean, we were doing insane hours, you know, 13, 14 sessions a day when we're doing one-on-ones. So this is even a walk in the park compared to that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it sounds like you guys are still uh, still like 10 out of 10 loving it. And there's bad days and stuff that happen, but, but you, have, you have that plan to know, right? If it starts being less fun, where do I find the balance? But like you said, you guys are a young, young 35 or an old 35 depends on the day, right? Depends on if it was leg day or not. You might yeah. feel like an old 35, but, or if you're going to use social media, but so it, it sounds like, you know, this thing is going to keep going. You're going to be putting heart and soul into it, you know, for a long time to come, right? It does. It's not something where you guys are trying to get away, trying to get out. So I think that that's, uh, that's going to be uplifting and it's going to be exciting in a way that your clients can feel and why they want to keep referring and what, you know, even if you can't train everybody that they want you to, it's going to have that certain feeling in the gym. So I think, I think that's awesome to get because we do get people who are burnt out and it happens or people to start to resent their business. But I mean, as somebody who's done it, who's, who's tried to juggle a lot, um, I've been on both sides and it's great to see when people are just like, 
yeah, let's keep keep it coming. Let's keep this train rolling. So for sure. So guys, before uh, before I let you go, we are almost out of time. Heck, we might even be over our allotted time, but that's the way it goes when conversation is good. Um, I always like to go back. You guys have been through, you know, the the heart of this pandemic. I can't say it's over because I think there's another variant, right? For people listening, we're recording this at the end of November, but you figured out a way to work it. You have a model that works with it, not really against it, like maybe some big group things that, you know, I won't cough through again, but, uh, <laughs> um, but let's, I like to go back to when you guys decided, you know, 2018, you're signing that lease, you're ready to go all in on it. If there was something you could go back and tell yourself one piece of advice, one lesson back then that you think would have, uh, would have changed things for you? Maybe fast forward to the learning curve. What do you think that would be? Uh, me personally, I, I would say, uh, I'll just say, you know, find that balance, you know, obviously the passion is strong when you first start. So you want to put all that time in, but you know, there are other things <laughs> and uh, finding that balance, I think has always been a hard part for me personally. So it's no different than anything I'd give my advice when I was 21, probably, but um, find the balance within the business and your personal life. Again, not to say that, uh, it hasn't been an amazing and, and I would do it again, probably the same way, but fi finding some balance there uh, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. You, with that. But to touch on something a little different, like Matt said before, I would say probably more on the business aspect a little bit sooner. You know, I am the, the programming and the science aspect of it really excites me. And like other trainers out there, you know, it's more about that improving your your clients, your members' life. And that's kind of what I really focused all of my attention on. So digging into more of the business aspect a little bit sooner, I think would have been helpful. For sure. Yeah. And oh, but not too much, right? You're still gonna be the programming the guy that loves. That's never gonna take over the love for you, right? Exactly. It's, it's just a difference. I wish we could do video, just the difference. Like, you know that you respect the process of, like, I have to be a good business person to have all this, but the look on your face of programming versus business, and that's fine because our guy Matt over here kind of skews a little bit more the other way. So if you guys continue to balance each other out, right, and that's that's just going to keep things growing, keep it healthy for as long as you both, uh, both wake up and want to kick ass every day, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I, when I was looking, you know, when we were going into business together, I couldn't go into business with someone like myself. I would just drive myself insane. I don't even know how Kevin honestly puts up with me from day to day. That's the God's honest truth. He doesn't um, know either. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely the yin yang thing we probably have going on here, which maybe is why it works. Awesome, guys. All right. Last question for real before I let you go. If people have been listening to this, if they want to hear more, find more about the business, maybe check you out from a client standpoint. Who knows? Maybe they want to be your next intern or trainer. Where can they find you online? I know you have social media now. Tell me where it is. All right. Um, you could find us at uh, blocksfit.com. Um, and our social media is uh, at blocksfit. Pretty simple. And uh, our TikTok, I'm going to just guess that it's at blocksfit as well. So if you want to find us on there, I don't know what's on there, but. Awesome. Lots of good info. Social media is good. It's coming alive. The website's informative. I'm sure your marketing intern is going to start crushing it too. I appreciate you guys being here today. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. And to everybody out there listening, 
As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending some of your day with us. If you found this episode valuable, inspirational, exciting, all those things, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, click the link in the description. Someone from the team will get in touch with you as soon as possible. To everybody out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Ward's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.